Welcome. You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, Searching for the Soul of Outlander with me, Reverend Terry Menifee Gow. And me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. We love the book series, books one through eight, so we will be talking about them all, so beware. There are spoilers ahead. All right, so we are back with, is it episode four? I it is it episode is. four. Right. <laughs> Season three, episode four. Yep. Um, right, and we started, well, we started a bit of a series where we started with friendship, then we did oaths and honor. Then last episode, we had this grand planned plan of doing vengeance and mercy. No. No. Vengeance and justice. <laughs> and found that we were talking lots about forgiveness and mercy at the same time. So we decided to combine them all, right? Yep. Because they really kind of are two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So this is part two of the vengeance, justice, forgiveness, and mercy. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. And we are together again. We are. In, in Virginia. In Virginia. Yep. In so we're Richmond, in the same place. And we're eating lovely little snacks and pimento cheese. Oh. <laughs> Y'all, we don't get pimento cheese in England um, or the UK in general. And that might be a reason not to, mm, you know, not live to there. Move back. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in oh. the South. Pimento cheese. It's so good. So yeah. we've got some pimento cheese. We've got some crackers. We've got some wine. It's yeah, great. So we can sit around and we can chat about Outlander. Outlander. Yeah, we eat. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So starting off, a bit of feedback from a listener. Her name was uh, is Aglaya. Hello, Aglaya. Hi, Aglaya. Um, and she contacted us and she was wondering, she had a really great question or an observation about, um, we've talked in the episodes about Jamie's obvious emotional maturity. And, yeah. And that's how we love him. So why we, one of the reasons why we love he him so much. He is the king of men in so many yes. ways, not just the chest. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we've talked about that, but she was wondering, and this makes complete sense, but if the reason why he has emotional maturity is to do with his character being written by a mature woman. Well, I think that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> um, you know? <laughs> yeah. Although she also wrote Leary. She did, yes. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, a mature woman can write an immature character. Well, so here's the thing. But yeah. the hero of the story is going to surely be influenced by... He's got to be about yeah. what she would want in her perfect yeah. world. I mean, and she's modeled him in some ways after her husband too, right? Hadn't right. She said that, so you I know, think maybe so, yeah. he's an emotionally mature person. And well, at least by this point, I mean, but she hope. started it. I mean, she started it when she was in her what thirties. Oh gosh, I don't know that. I have no idea. She maybe. started it twenty-five years ago. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Doing the math. That makes sense. So yeah. when she started writing him, she was certainly less mature than this. That's true. But as he has, as she has matured, so has he, so which has makes he. sense. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But I mean, I have to say too, as a writer, the thing you know and the thing that you mm. understand is that when you write a character, all the characters you write are you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to like... I, Something in my mind is saying someone has asked her which character is the most like her, and she said it was Blackjack or something like that. And I remember being like, oh, my God. Now I could be wrong. But I do think that there was something about, like, 
she yeah maybe she was being funny too which is possible but. she has a very very dry sense of humor yeah. and so you know to say it, honestly all of them are her yeah so she's got the darkness in her as well i mean i mean she writes stephen bonnet too i mean yeah he's a horrifying character yeah. And so yeah. is the Duke of Sandringham and the rest of them. And, and you know, yeah. she, but she also writes Claire. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we we talk about Diana's kind of what she may be meant by writing this particular bit, whatever it is we happen to say. And obviously, you know, as a writer, her kind of influence on the story is, <laughs> well, because she's the writer. Yeah. Um, she's the god but, of her universe, right? Yeah, exactly. But, I, I mean... I think it's the mark of a good story that if you don't spend a lot of time thinking about, well, what would the author mean by yeah. X? And I found, I mean, we've talked about Game of Thrones a bit, I found that that was the thing that drove me nuts, is I spent so much time going, what in the world were the writers thinking when they did? And it completely takes you out of the story. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, well, it's not a good story if you're wondering what in the world the authors meant by Right. And it's confusion as opposed to hermeneutical. You know, right, like, right, right. Rather right. than just, you know, trying to understand culture at the time or, you know, or something like that. But just, yeah. Well, you're no longer, you're no longer with the characters. If you're wondering mm. what they're doing, then they're not doing it from themselves anymore, are they? Yeah. They're not speaking for themselves. And that was kind of the weird part of um, the Game of Thrones thing is I was just like, I didn't feel like Brienne was speaking for herself at no. all anymore. And I felt like... You know, there there were some moments that just didn't ring true. Yeah, so it's um, like writer obviously inserted. Yes, in in the story as opposed right. to the story speaking for itself in, in a particular way. I, I I followed a thread today. Was it today or yesterday? Mm. I think it might have been yesterday. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> I could get into the time. No, <laughs> um, I I followed a thread on Facebook. Um, <laughs> the rabbit hole. Of yeah, Facebook. The, yes, the big time suck <laughs> that is Facebook. And one woman was really, really upset at season four. Really? Oh, God. Really? Somebody I know. was really, really upset really. about something? She was, mostly she was upset that they came to America. Oh, my God. And she just didn't understand why the television show came to America. That they need to get off of the America thing <laughs> and go back to Scotland so she can look at men in kilts. No, I'm not kidding. This went on and on. And she didn't get it. And other people were like, the story goes like this because Diana wrote them in America. And now they're dealing with the American Revolution. She's like, well, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I'm like. As if it was written for you. Right. And and that's kind of a little bit how I feel about Game of Thrones. But at the same time. If I were watching this on television for the first time, would I feel that way? Yeah. I see this over and over again of how the first season was the best love story. And I'm like, yeah. but I think every book is the love story. Yeah, I do too. Every yeah. one. Yeah. And that's because I get to see the intimate side of Jamie and Claire yeah. each book. I, yeah. I didn't get to see it as much mm. in the in season four of yeah. Outlander. We didn't yeah. get to see as much of that intimacy. Um, and I don't just mean sex. I mean yeah. moments together. Yeah. Because we were really, really focused on Brian and Roger. Yeah, and it's understandable. Yeah, I if think. you only have this many episodes, yeah. you've got to squeeze it all in. It's kind yeah. of hard to do. But I was, I, I would have to say, if I were looking, I would really miss season one. It, mm. I was only after mm. the romance. Oh, yeah. 
then I would, well, A, you're missing out on a whole lot of stuff, but B, you're also missing, you, you would be missing that romance because it's, it just wasn't as much there. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a chuckle. So, you know, we both are fans or, or members of different fan groups and stuff like that. And I kind of have to limit my, my participation in those sometimes, but I did was scrolling along on Facebook as you do. And so somebody had posted a question of, I've seen seasons one and two, and I've read books one and two. Are the rest of the books worth it? <laughs> like, seriously? Anyway, yeah. So, um, Aglaia. 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 Aglaia also wondered, and I thought this was a really interesting question. What would Outlander have looked like if it was co-authored with a man writing Jamie's parts? Yeah. I don't know if he could have written his parts <laughs> the same way that Diana wrote his well, no, parts. His parts, yes, <laughs> his man parts. Yes. His oh my god! Oh bits. my god! I did. I didn't say because I didn't open it until after. But when we recorded the last episode here at Terry's house, she gave me a gift, and I had forgotten to open it until after we were finished. But she gave me a candle. <laughs> a gift from Etsy because that is where you get Outlander gifts, right? This candle that is scented as under Jamie's kilt. And apparently it's like cypress and sage and a hint of eucalyptus or something like that. And it smells really, really good. It does. It smells delicious. Somehow I do think that's probably not what under his kilt smells like. Probably not. But... It did give me a really good chuckle. Um, anyway, so, yeah, Jamie's yeah. parts. What yeah, would they so, look like if they were his, written by man? parts look like? <laughs> I don't know. I, we don't have any idea about that, but that is really interesting. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, a, a co-authored book written by... It would be interesting, right? So traditional gender roles, women writing women's parts, men writing men's parts. But also, wouldn't it be interesting as an exercise of, of flipping that? And how bad or good would it be the well, other it's, way? It's, well, it's, it's not necessarily... So men have written parts for women often. Men yeah. have written heroines often. Yeah. The very first romance book, Pamela, Pamela. was written by a man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that has continued. I mean, they, I'm suddenly thinking of the podcast my dad wrote a porno. Like, and how bad? Have you have you <laughs> no, heard that? No. Oh, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> but it's bad because he cannot write women <laughs> having any kind of dialogue whatsoever. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, never mind. Well, and, and that's, that's kind of the thing is that there are, is it what, 70% of writers in Hollywood are men? Yeah. Or, or yeah. What, what gets put And we on. wonder why all the women are one-dimensional. Exactly. And yeah. so when you ask men to write female roles, yeah. generally they're one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always happen that <laughs> they way. They trip with, in their high heels and are always the first ones to get killed. And, and they want sex all the time <laughs> yeah. or they're frigid. They're, yeah. never, they're never in between. <laughs> It's always they're frigid or they anyway, yeah. but you have women write men's roles mm. too. I mean, mm. J.K. Rowling is a woman, yeah. woman, and she writes a male hero who is textured and mm. has got uh, a lot of other issues going on, and he grows and ages and matures, and mm-hmm. she handles it beautifully. Yeah, even her strike novels. I haven't read them, but I've seen the the uh, as Robert Galbraith as a mm-hmm. pseudonym uh, is a male. Yeah. Male lead. Yeah. yeah. And I've I've actually written something with a male lead mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. 
I did not give him as much texture, I'm afraid. He was, he doesn't get texture Was he the later. first to be killed? No, he wasn't the first to be killed. It wasn't a horror film. But he is somewhat arrogant and snotty until, mm-hmm. until later. And then you, you feel, you realize he does have a few more textures than right. that. So he is a Mr. Darcy character, unfortunately. Oh, right. okay. But they don't get together in the end. So I won't, okay. but yeah, yeah. yeah. So last point, Aglaio was also talking about how she really loved, and I think we might have talked about this a little bit at the very beginning of the podcast, but how Diana honors the everyday and the kind of the mundane side of life. Yeah. Just kind of the little bits and pieces that you just kind of get to at a window into their into right. their everyday The way the trees world. look yeah. whenever she's going out to pick her foxglove or whatever yeah. it is that she's picking the digitalis yeah. or, you know whatever she's doing it's just you know the, the way it smells all the little you know having to cook which she hates doing yeah. claire hates doing and yeah. and all the noises in the background it mm. sets a mm. yeah she does she does kind of raise that up to almost a sacred place yeah you know it's it's almost, well, so this gets into Paul Tillich a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. We like the word Paul Tillich because then we can say it's Tillichian. <laughs> I love to say Tillichian. Um, Paul Tillich yeah, was a... Yeah, age of Me Too, though. I don't really respond, or I don't cite him very much anymore. Well, he yeah, can be a little... Was, he was a bit of a dick. Yeah. But he wrote some really he amazing did. things. He wrote some amazing things. Carl but... Bart wasn't really the nicest guy in the yeah, whole world either. He, uh, yeah, that's true. So, that's true. But they influenced our theology today. Yeah, and, um, Christian theologians, yeah. Some of the work that Paul Tillich did had to do with the sacred coming through the ordinary, mm-hmm. the sacramental aspect of the everyday, mm-hmm. and not just in... The ordinary bread and wine or grape juice, not mm-hmm. just in what we normally call sacraments, mm. not just in baptism, mm-hmm. not just in something ordained by the church, but in something every day like taking a shower mm-hmm. or making breakfast or and sweeping the floor. Sweeping the floor. Yeah. These things it, it's it almost becomes meditative and the sacred can enter those simply by consistently doing them mm. so it almost takes almost on a, like a buddhist quality yeah. is that you you know you reach that plane of spirituality by doing the everyday mm-hmm. and um that's one of the things that i actually appreciated about mm. him whenever i back before i knew he was such a jerk so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah talking about the everyday though you, I'm just thinking the gathering. So some detail is oh, just too much. Too much. Yeah. I'm still stuck in the gathering. <laughs> I personally like it. But yeah, we've <laughs> talked about that before. So, okay. So going back into the topic at hand, leaving listener feedback aside for now. So we had a, a list last time where we discussed vengeance and justice. And the list, shall I go over that again? Sure. So the list was Jamie and Blackjack, that whole scenario, yeah. or scenarios, certainly more than one. Claire and Jamie after Faith, which forgiveness is certainly a, a point in that. Mm-hmm. Myrta and the Duke of Sandringham, which yep. we want to spend more time on today. Bree and Stephen Bonnet, which we talked about a bit last time, but we might come back to a bit more. Roger and Buckley, and Roger losing his, his voice and... Buckley being an ass. Um, 
Claire's kidnapping and rape and uh, Jamie going berserker on that, and along with the men of the clan. We Ian's personal personal journey as a man of violence or a man of vengeance, and then this particular situation with Archbug. And then we mentioned Leary and added her to the list um, yeah. last time, which I think we should revisit. So... Yeah. So where do we want to start? What what should we revisit that we started talking about last time that we said in upon reflection we want to spend a bit more time on? We we really kind of we touched on all of these, I think. We did a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think we, you know, we can probably we definitely need to go back and revisit Leary. Yeah. Because and we need we didn't spend hardly any time on Marta. We mentioned it, yeah. but we didn't spend much time at we all. We need to talk about him. him and Mary and mm-hmm. um and what happened with Claire and Mary and Mary's mm-hmm. rape. Mm-hmm. Every woman in this just about gets raped or yeah. I think about it. Yeah. I'm like but yeah, let's let's can we? I think Leary will probably be okay. quick, and then we can sure. really get so a little more in Leary. depth. Yeah. So Leary at sixteen, she is upset that Claire has taken Jamie her from her, yeah. and she sends a note to Claire saying to go into Cranesmere. Yeah. And Jamie had forbidden it. Jamie was away. He had said he didn't want her seeing Galus, but. The note said Galus needed her for something, and she thought it was important, so yeah. she went. And Claire didn't know that Leary was the one that was behind nope, it. Nope, had no idea. Right. And later she figured it out because mm-hmm. Galus was, of course, being thrown into jail for mm-hmm. being a witch. Mm-hmm. And Claire, being associated with her and being in the proximity of Galus. Mm-hmm. Also she, a witch. Yep. So she's a witch. She's a witch. <laughs> She turned me into a newt. <laughs> I got Monty Python it. quotes there for you. Yep. So she uh, she's almost burned at the stake, and mm. she knows that it is Leary that has done it. Mm. Jamie never knows this until later. I was about to say, yeah. Until he much does find later. Out later. He does find out much later. Mm. In the television show, he does know. Yeah. And that's what makes it even harder to accept him yeah. marrying Leary. But he doesn't know until after Claire returns. At any rate, there's one person who does know about it. And it's Colm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she actually blamed Colm for a while. Colm, who was the... She ha- being Leary. No, no, no. Claire. Uh, Claire. Claire blamed Colm for... She thought maybe... Oh, Colm Colum- had set Leary up to do that to get rid of Claire. Yeah, or... Yeah. That column could have sent his men in to rescue her, which he could have. He could have done at any and point, he chose but not he, to. he didn't want to do it because he didn't want Galus to be rescued mm-hmm. because Galus was carrying Dougal's child, mm-hmm. and so he was willing to play the politics and let her die. And so mm-hmm. she had to talk with him. Yeah, just before Culloden, or just was it maybe? It's just about as he's about to. It's about he's about to die, and it's before Culloden. But it's not on his deathbed. It's no. when he starts. He comes to Ask where is it in Edinburgh or somewhere Firth? But I can't remember. But one of the places where Bonnie Prince Charlie and all the men are yeah, in near the Preston big house Hands or, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember now. Um, he comes to talk with them to see if mm-hmm. he wants to know if it's worth risking his clan the Mackenzies to be involved in in the Jacobite revolution and he knows that Claire is a white woman Mm -hmm. and she knows things and so he comes to ask her advice Mm -hmm. and he gives her this offer Mm -hmm. he's like 
will it be vengeance? Mm-hmm. Shall I deliver vengeance on Leary for mm-hmm. you? And that would mean a severe beating mm-hmm. for Leary. Mm-hmm. That would mean she would be scarred for life like Jamie was. Mm. And she would be shunned. Mm. It would be a really bad thing. And Claire says no. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really forgive Leary. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially after she returns and finds out Jamie marries Leary. <laughs> she really doesn't forgive her then. <laughs> Yeah, all of this is happening in Dragonfly and Amber. Yeah, yeah, so this all happens before Claire goes back through the stones to yeah. the 20th century. And so she she chooses, though, not to deliver vengeance. And the mm-hmm. reason is because she was, Leary was only 16 years old. So it's kind of like she knows not what she did, sort of. Even though she did a really shitty thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just watched for the first time the movie Atonement. <gasps> for the first time, my friend's... Karen and Karen, you know who you are, has been telling me about this movie forever. Oh, and of course, I love that. I, the book is amazing too. And of course, I'm in love with James McAvoy. Mm. James, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> are we? Yeah, <laughs> are we expected him to? Sure, hey, maybe. At any point, He's it's Scottish. About, it's about Scottish. It's this is about Scotland in a yeah, yeah. odd way. Yeah. Anyway, I it ruined me. That movie. When I watched it Friday night, yeah. ruined me. For what? I I was I was ruined. Oh, undid I was, you. I was undid right, okay. me. I you was ruined. Right. I was I couldn't I yeah. could I haven't been able to think about anything else since then. Yeah. And so she's thirteen yeah, when funny. she does this horrible thing. Mm-hmm. If you've not seen the movie, a young girl I'm not gonna tell you the story, but I other than to say a young girl Makes a horrible mistake. Makes a horrible mistake, and she lies about somebody, and it creates a huge domino effect of terrible things that happen. Mm. And she was 13. Yeah. And so when is the age of... <laughs> accountability. Accountability. Yeah. And to how much are you accountable? Are you accountable only by the time you figure out how much pain you've caused? Yeah. Where does that line drawn? And... I think about this in the same context as our school-to-prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. I think about this in context of how we assume a 16-year-old, simply because of the way they look, should be more mature than they yeah. are. And so I, I, I wonder... Being tried as an adult when they're yeah, not. Yeah, when they're not. Yeah. And so I, I, I wonder how that all plays in, but... Leary knew precisely what she, she, was, knew what she was doing. doing. Yeah. And so what, how can Claire one... gives be, her probably more mercy than I think she deserved. Well, she gives her more mercy than I might have shown. But, yeah. but of course, I don't know all the story, backstory behind Leary and all the mm. other stuff that's happened there. Mm. And we don't get that until much later in the series. We get a little more background on Leary and mm. where she was at that point. Mm. But, yeah, so she, she gives this opportunity. And that's... She could have meted vengeance, mm-hmm. and it would have Colin been just. offers vengeance and Colin, justice, and it would have been just, yeah. Absolutely. It would have been would justice have been. if she had caused mm-hmm. her to pay for that with her mm-hmm. back or with her mm-hmm. face or mm-hmm. with however they would have meted that justice mm-hmm. out. But she offers mercy, and yet mm-hmm. she does not forgive. Yeah, because we kind of talked about that in the last episode of off- can you offer mercy without forgiveness? And this was that time. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think too, Jamie. With mm. as as you mentioned, Blackjack Randall, after Blackjack's brother's di- brother dies, yeah, he offers mercy in a moment, for a moment, and only a moment. Yeah, before he knows, like, and he never forgives him, or he takes time for it him takes to forgive. Time, I 
Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think there is a journey of forgiveness, I think, that Jamie does go through about that. But he does it for his own interest, not for Blackjack. Of course. Yeah. I think forgiveness really is... It's, yeah. The, Desmond Tutu talks about that, that, yeah. that forgiveness is the highest form of self-interest. That would assume that my forgiveness is somehow efficacious. Yeah. To wiping away a wrong. Mm. And... I cannot meet out that kind of... But wiping away wrong would then imply that you forget about it. And I don't think forgiveness implies forgetting. It doesn't. I think you can forgive and still remember. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree with you there. But I I have a hard time with the, can you forgive me so that my sin is no longer there? And I'm mm, like, I'm not that powerful, number one. Maybe God can do that, but I think that's asking too much for people to do. Yeah, my my forgiveness is not efficacious for this mm-hmm. relationship to continue. Mm-hmm. And I might I might forgive you, but it doesn't mean I want my relationship with you to continue because mm-hmm. I have a feeling that you'll probably do it again or just being mm-hmm. around you hurts. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, Leary, shall we do Marta now? I think Marta. Yeah. I think okay. Marta because there's a there's a similarity there in the sense that Marta kind of had his hands his hands were not literally tied, but he... he well, he got knocked the hell out, so there wasn't a yeah. whole lot he could do about it, right? Okay, so what happens, Jamie? So what happens is, this is also in Dragonfly and Amber, and he and Fergus are escorting Claire and Mary home from the hospital at night, and they are set upon by thugs. Turns out the thugs are sent by the cons. Mm-hmm. No, they're sent by the Duke of Sandringham. Sent by the Duke of Sandringham. Yep. Yes. She thought See, it was the cop. I think I'm a fan. And then I forget. <laughs> Important details. We all thought it was the comp, but yes, it wasn't. Yes, we all thought it was the comp, but it was the Duke of Sandringham. Hence, what happens. So, yes, yeah, so Marta gets knocked out. Yeah, he's sleeping on the ground. While Claire and Mary are accosted, Mary gets raped. Attempted rape. For, uh, for Claire as well. Fergus runs. Fergus he? runs to go get, get Jamie, my lord. Or yeah, yeah, get Jamie. Or get Jamie. And then, so they realize that she's a, a she's the white lady. Blanche, yeah, she's the and white lady. they get scared and hightail it off. Right. Yeah, that's right. So then Marta awakens, but he'd been put in a sack or something, right? Yep, he'd been tied up. Yeah, somehow. yeah. They let him out of the sack, and he feels as if it is all his fault that he couldn't protect them and he promises claire that he will lay vengeance at her feet he apologizes to jamie he goes and he basically lays his fealty out yeah like hands him his sword or something right tells him to run i'm not worthy to be your right whatever you're not your servant but like i'm no longer worth anything basically because i couldn't protect your wife and and mary yeah 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 which is so sad I think so, too. Because it's related to honor, right? So we talked about oaths and honor, and and Marta had made an oath that he would protect them. And you know, Jamie, despite Marta being the godfather, Jamie's his laird. There's so much shame in his inability to protect. So he offers it, Jamie says, something like, mind your head, man, or, you know, like, just come on. We're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, this is fine. And then, what, months later? Maybe a year later. Possibly. 
Yeah, because yeah. that dragonfly and amber in the television show, mm. season two television yeah, show, all this goes was a lot in quicker. France. Yeah, yes. it goes a lot quicker than it does in the books, yeah. and so it's it's several months later, and they're fighting the rising in Scotland. Claire gets t- taken and is held at the Duke of Sandringham's estate, and realizes that it's Duke of Sandringham's. Uh, Doesn't she go there to ask his help? She does. She and she surrender. No, she. Well, she surrenders herself to the men in that's order right. to save everybody the in the church. Yeah, yeah, in they're the church. in the church. Yeah. That's where Rupert dies. Right, right. And in order to save everyone, she plays the English woman who's been taken hostage that's by, the, right. by the Scottish and brigands. she goes there. Right. Yeah, and so they take her to this grand house, and she realizes that it's the Duke of Sandringham who lives there, and that he's been playing both sides pretty much the whole time. And right. All that kind of stuff. Intrigue, intrigue. And so, yeah, so she is there. She realizes that his henchman was also his butler. His valet, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, valet, something like that. And Mary is his goddaughter? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so Mary's there too. Or his grandniece or something like that. Yeah. And so Myrta and Jamie come to save the day, to rescue Claire, get her out. Dun-da-da-da! And Myrta realizes... But it never says how Myrta finds out. Hugh is there. Yeah, Hugh goes and finds Jamie and Myrta, but it never says how Myrta... Well, okay, so maybe I'm getting the TV show and the book confused. But I don't think it ever said I think how Jamie, Myrta found out that Jamie Duke of Sandringham was, was behind it all. I think they rescue Claire. Claire tells them, and he goes back to exact justice. Oh. Jamie takes Mary and Claire to... Hugh's widow's house or yeah, maybe they, so. they go yeah, and they apologize and they talk mm-hmm. to the widow to say look you know Hugh died and yeah. to then you know provide for them what they can yeah. and that's when Myrta shows up that's right with Duke of Sandringham's head in a bag head in a sack yeah. <laughs> so he had said I will lay vengeance at your feet and he puts the sack at Claire's feet and there it is yep yeah. yep so vengeance and justice the duke of sandringham is now headless and dead yep so Mm. where does this leave us there is no forgiveness clearly for the clearly not forgiveness (laughs) and no mercy marta is not interested in forgiveness in that way there certainly is forgiveness i for himself like there's this whole and i think there's a theme that probably we should talk about around forgiveness of self that there's constant sort of internal dialogue monologue monologue we Ian has it jamie has it claire has it they all right. are kind of constantly sort of thinking about how they should forgive themselves about different things about so done. many things that happened to yeah. them and what they've done to others yeah yeah, yeah. so Marta could not forgive himself until he was able to exact vengeance yeah he wasn't clean mm-hmm. or clear from the debt he owed mm-hmm. which is an honor debt and it wasn't so much the Duke as his problem. Mm. It was his fault. Yeah, because he couldn't have, because he couldn't protect them. Right. Because it was the Duke that was the perpetrator, not the Duke in a gen- you know in general. The, just the Duke is a bad guy. Yeah. It was fairly impersonal, I guess is what I mean. Well, yeah, no, he the Duke caused this, and so it becomes personal because mm. then Murta couldn't protect. Murta couldn't. Yeah. So, so this is the justice that must be meted out, and they there will be vengeance mm-hmm. for what you took from him too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. So, 
there can't really be any justice here for Mary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't give her back what he, they've taken from her. No. She was a virgin prior to this. Mm-hmm. She was to marry a wealthy man. Her only mm-hmm. asset in this world was her virginity. <laughs> yeah. And they could have faked it, except that she freaks out and screams and everybody figures out what has happened to her, including her intended. Mm-hmm. And so she has nothing. Mm-hmm. She's no longer... All because of what the Duke of Sandringham did. Yeah. There's no way to give that back. There's no justice there. Yeah. There is really forgiveness or vengeance. And mm-hmm. Myrta takes the side of vengeance this mm-hmm. time. Hmm. Did we really talk about in the last episode the difference between vengeance and justice? I don't think we did. Enlighten us, Jamie. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you know all this stuff. <laughs> Can you have justice without vengeance? Can you have vengeance without justice? Yes, I think so. I think so, too. Vengeance, obviously, is connected to revenge, like to avenge. So vengeance is a personal thing on behalf of you or your tribe or your family or your clan or your nation or, you know... Whereas justice can be really impersonal. I mean, within theology and also kind of within conflict and peace work, the idea of justice is like a restoration of relationship. Maybe not restoration because it may not have never been there in the first place. But this idea that relationship has been put right. Right. Is justice reconciliation or is it just, no, or is it just so. righting a wrong? Righting a wrong. I think. Because there's no way to right this wrong for Mary. No, there's not. But then there's lots of different types of justice. So there's retributive justice, so like retribution, which I guess vengeance would be more more of that that kind of The eye for the eye type of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's restorative justice, and it's that restoration, more restoration idea. And, I I mean, the Bible isn't clear about anything, really. But... (laughs) Ever. Ever. (laughs) Except love your neighbor as yourself. And then they still get wrong. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, if there are biblical models of, like, godly justice, then it is more of, like, a restorative justice idea than a retributive justice idea, I would argue. Yeah. Though, you know, some of the Psalms, like we talked about last time, would say that's not necessarily true. They were mostly after just vengeance. Yeah. 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 And then forgiveness and then reconciliation, I think, are... Reconciliation certainly requires justice. Yeah. But it is not justice, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can have justice without reconciliation. You can. can. And you can have reconciliation without justice. Can you? I don't think it's true reconciliation, if that's the case. Or is it just somebody putting something aside and moving forward? It's, It's putting a lid on it. And I don't think that's really reconciliation. Okay. It's peace just in the absence of conflict instead of peace in the sense of we are actually living and working together and for each other's welfare. Got or it. living together well. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people would define reconciliation as living together well. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, blessing each other on their way kind of thing. Right. Doesn't mean you're all best friends, but that you're not seeking each other's harm. Okay. So more like Jamie can... Mm. live that way with Tom Christie. 
Yeah. I think Jamie's fairly reconciled with Tom Christie. It's Tom Christie that's not reconciled to Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. Although he does manage yeah, so it. doesn't it, have to be mutual, But he I does guess. manage it. He does he reconcile does. until the whole thing with Malva happens. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and then he has to leave. And so you've got kind of this Tom Christie living with and, and hanging out and supporting the tribe. Mm. Or maybe it's, maybe it's more of a what happens with Roger and Buckley. Yeah, being I think able they reconcile. to they reconcile to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Roger's not going to be Buckley's best friend ever. No. But he has accepted that this was his ancestor and he needs to preserve him as part of his clan. He doesn't wish him harm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we did talk about that a bit last time that yeah. you know, reconciliation can mean different things in different situations and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're best friends with everybody and you know, right. all that kind of stuff. One thing that I think so, you know, because we talk about theology here, um, we've mentioned sometimes. it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So we've mentioned a few times the kind of eye for an eye idea. I think it's also important in the context of this conversation that the eye for an eye was a means by which you limit vengeance that you limit justice so rather than you kill you know like there was this idea of kind of the blood feud and it still exists in a lot of cultures but so you kill one person in someone's family then they come back and kill like three or four of you and then you know and Uh, it becomes the the you know the montagues and the capulets yeah 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 so um romeo and juliet for those of you But yeah, so in, instead of an eye for an eye, it was like an eye for 12 people. What's radical, and, you know, and kind of going back to that restorative justice idea in the Bible, is that what's radical about that is that it's an eye for an eye, not an eye for 10 people. Right. So do, you don't take vengeance for anything more than what actually happened. So it's a means of limitation, not permission. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess it technically is permission, but it's not you're supposed to take an eye when you lose an eye. It's you're supposed to only take an eye. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think in the context of this conversation about kind of vengeance and justice, it's justice is about meeting out the same cost, not over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So tell me. So in the context of that, Let's talk about the raid on the mm. village that, or, or the little shanty town that mm. that kidnaps Claire, or just the band of men. The band of men that kidnap Claire and rape her. Yeah, so that's not an eye for an eye. I mean, yeah. Mm. Except that, okay. So you could interpret that as Claire was so precious and so valuable. You know what happens to her is. You know, that's why he wanted to kill them all, right? Because right. They all... So is her life. So her life is more important than their <laughs> lives. Her honor, well, obviously, to her Jamie, honor, it is. his honor is more important, and so the whole of his his tribe goes down mm-hmm. and just wipes this place clean. Yeah. Or is there more there? I mean, she she knew that there were some folks there. Wasn't one of the Matak Five there? Yeah, Wendigo was part of the group yep. for a little while, but then didn't he leave? He certainly wasn't killed in that crowd, so He's, I think he had departed Yeah, by that time. So, yeah. And apparently this crowd was, quote, no good. Yeah, yeah. So they'd been burning the, the Dutch family. They'd burned that house. They'd, they'd killed lots of people and had kind of been going through the mountains and 
and terrorizing. But but for some reason, Jamie's group wasn't interested in exacting revenge for doing that. No, they didn't do that. It they was, exact it was revenge. Claire. Yeah, for Claire. And she... I'm not justifying this at all, but I can understand why he did what he did in the sense that she'd also been raped by more than one person. Yeah. And he went berserker, you know, like he just couldn't control himself. Well, and there was no way of restoring to her what she was lost. There's no no way to restore that. So when Claire sees one of the guys later who had survived, there talking about restoration of being able to walk around and not see your perpetrator not see the person who has done such terrible things to you jamie knew what that felt like yeah and claire asked him and claire asked him to do nothing yeah but he did it anyway well after he got into fergus you know after he molested fergus oh you're talking about blackjack i'm talking about blackjack but he also went and killed that guy the last remaining one. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. So that brings me to the question of... So that was not an eye for an eye. It was not an eye for an eye. <laughs> it was so much more than an eye for an eye. Yeah. And that Claire has an oath on her. We talked about this mm. in one of the other episodes. And that Jamie kills for her. Yeah. And that's certainly what he did. It's not just him, though. No. It's the Roger, rest of them. Archie. Ian, Archie. Wasn't Tom Christie in that crowd, too? I don't know that Tom Christie was in that crowd. I can't remember. I don't know. I think he was gone by then. Malva was dead by that point. Oh, gosh. Was this before or after? I get those two. I thought Claire's fever and Malva and all that was echoing the bone, and this was Breath of Snow and Ashes, but maybe it's the other way around. I think it might be the other way around. What? Yeah. <laughs> <I got to. laughs> there's so many books, and We're there's so much <laughs> There's we so much have a, here. The wiki up in front of us every time we do <laughs> every this. time. Yeah. But we get so caught up in the conversation. We do, yeah. You know? Anyway, going back to the eye for an eye thing is there's some in the Hebrew Bible in that bit of Exodus. It's it it says something to the effect of so that you don't stain the land with with blood, so that you don't taint yourself with violence that is unnecessary with this understanding that that kind of violence that vengeance sort of over the top kind of violence will will kill you well and it stays will taint your land it, it stays with i i actually firmly believe that something like that does change the geography mm-hmm. i i really do i think it creates that big mm-hmm. of an impact the energy behind mm. that kind of killing mm. creates a space. And if you've ever been in a space that has had that kind of thing, there is a different energy to there it. There is something. You can feel you it. You can feel it. And yeah. it's, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. So in Richmond, where, where I live, mm-hmm. in Richmond, Virginia, there's a slave trail where enslaved peoples were brought up the James River. Mm-hmm. And they disembarked at night, only at night, because nobody wanted to see. Mm. And then they had to walk. Things you do in secret. Yes, the Mm. things you do at dark. And then they walked, chained only a foot apart, Mm. two miles Mm. through the woods and Mm. then into the area which is known as Shaco Bottom. Mm. And there are some places in Shaco Bottom Mm -hmm. where there were like 20 slave markets down there. Mm. At one point in the 19th century, it was the largest slave market Mm. in the country. Mm. Not that I'm proud of that, I'm not at all, but there are places there 
that you can still feel the yeah. pain, yeah. The, the death and the pain. And mm. I do believe that that's what happens. Mm. And I know that that's really... Woo-woo. It's so woo-woo. And, but you know, still. but the place has got bad juju. And I don't... Yeah. I, I can feel it when I go into those places. And well, I, and trauma will adjust, will change your DNA. So why would it not change a land... It does. I so believe it. And Mm. until that is put right, until there's something Mm. there to redeem it, Mm. I don't think that there's a way to get rid of that bad juju. I really don't. When I took Hebrew in seminary, uh, Carson Brisson taught it. He just Mm. was the best teacher and I loved him. (laughs) We talked a lot about the story of Cain and Abel. When Cain kills Abel, the blood cries out from the ground, cries to God. And cries to God for justice. You know, though, okay, so yeah, I'm totally with you. (laughs) But talking about another story, and I might have talked about this in a previous episode or not, I can't remember, but I read recently Mary Doria Russell's The Sparrow not too long ago. (gasps) I could only get halfway through that book because it was upsetting me so badly. Talk about being destroyed or, (sighs) or undone. That really undid me. But there's a phrase or there's a conversation that's happening in there in that book about Cain and Abel and one and it's one of the priests a Jesuit priests because the Jesuits go to space it's great it's It's amazing yeah but one of them was like Ed have you ever really thought about that Cain gave his sacrifice in good faith and God rejected it and I was like oh my gosh I will always read that story differently now as a result why did God reject a sacrifice made in good faith. And it doesn't say why. It doesn't it, say and, why. And that, and that was the other important part that Dr. Brisson said was that we, we do not get why God rejects. You cannot project why God rejects mm-hmm. it. It's just that God rejected it. Mm-hmm. And so here is Cain with his rejected mm-hmm. offering. And here is Abel with his offering that's accepted. Mm-hmm. And the way the Hebrew is, mm-hmm. is that the anger evil sits outside and Mm. it goes back and forth and looks at you the evil Mm. is stalking you Mm. waiting your anger is stalking you waiting Mm. for you to do something like a caged animal Mm. so if you're looking at an animal at a zoo or at the the hungry tiger back and forth Mm. behind the cage waiting for an opportunity to get at you and that's what God says. God doesn't talk to Abel at all in the story. Mm. God only talks to the murderer. Mm. God only talks to Cain. Mm. God never talks to Abel. And I think that that's important, but yet too. But God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. I know. And we, we don't what get why. What the wild. hell? I know. It's not, it's not a clean story at all. It's, oh, and clean stories are so much yeah, yeah, clean's so much easier. They make it easier, but they're certainly <laughs> the not as so much messy. fun. Yeah, no. but they're not as much fun to yeah. delve into and to wonder about, which is what we're doing now. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Five thousand years yeah. after we somebody wrote it down, we're still talking about the story. <laughs> oh right. Okay. So Cain and Abel standing in the land. Jamie going berserk. Yeah. Well, okay, so if we're talking about Cain and Abel and rejecting and accepting. Mm-hmm. So we were talking a little bit earlier about forgiving yourself, right? Yeah. And Claire has never really quite been able to forgive herself for rejecting Frank. 
Yes, that's something we haven't... Okay, so we talked about Forgiveness of Self with kind of Marta. I think we talked a little bit about Forgiveness of Self with Jamie and uh, around Geneva in the last episode. But yeah, Claire and Frank and her... Yeah. She chooses Jamie for no other reason than she chooses Jamie. Yeah. She loves him. There's no rhyme or reason there. She certainly never asks, asks Frank for forgiveness. No. And she's she, like, this is what happened. And she pays it. <laughs> and she pays penance. Yes, she, she does. She pays an atonement for this. Yeah. She stays with him for 20 years. She does. She sees that as justice. That she needs to do that, right? I think atonement, atonement. would be kind of justice yeah, sort of idea. Yeah, it's paying for whatever you've done. And yeah. so there is a bit of rec- retrib- retributive justice. Yeah, retributive justice. Yeah. And Frank exact. Vengeance. vengeance on her with every woman he sleeps with and so if you're watching the television show yeah. it's just this one woman yeah. and you think that it's this love thing yeah. if you're reading the book it's lots of women and there's just well, over and over yeah we disagree on this we've had this conversation before yeah. i'm not quite sure it's as clear-cut as that say again well, because Diana has kind of indicated that Claire thinks he was having all these affairs. Oh, I think he has had all these affairs. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Maybe he was. But I don't know. I, I'm i not a, Fran- a Frank fan. But I'm willing to hold space. I'm not a Frank fan, but I also expect that he probably has been having all of these affairs. Well, yeah, probably. Simply because his wife pretty much left him for two and a half years she could have come back but she didn't and claire was very clear that she she could have come back in love with somebody else and she has another man's child and he raises that other man's child and looks at this man's face every day as he's looking at his daughter so there's a there's a a bit of revenge there in raising some other man's child yes believing that this other man is yes. dead. She she seeks absolution from mm. Father Anselm. She seeks some kind mm. of guidance there. And you know, Father Anselm's like you've you've got to do the best you can. The church doesn't have any answers for you here. Mm. It's just that you've got to do the best you can and he offers her some kind of peace and I think she mm. finds it where she goes in and she does the adornment for the sacrament when she goes and adores the holy sacrament she at the finds, end of book one yeah and well, well no in Voyager in Voyager yeah she where goes she goes in. to the uh, perpetual yeah yeah the perpetual adoration mm. and she sits and she thinks about Frank's soul or Frank and mm. she thinks about Jamie's soul and mm. she acts asks for absolution and mm-hmm. she asks for peace mm-hmm. i think that there's something there to that of of quietly living out your justice mm-hmm. and your atonement for what you've done that she she got these things she got jamie for the time for the two and a half years mm-hmm. and she got brie mm-hmm. and she is paying for it with her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You were going to say something. I, well, I could go down a, another path. Yeah, there's a quote from Fiery Cross, though. Okay, so and this is Claire. She says, I had apologized to Frank a thousand times. Mm. And never once had I asked him for forgiveness. So that's interesting. You can apologize but not ask for forgiveness, well, so according I, to Claire. That is true. So mm-hmm. that is true. People come to me and they say that they're, I'm so sorry. I'm like, yes, but are you apologizing? Yeah. It's not your fault. Yeah. You can say sorry and apologize, and they'd be two different yeah. things. 
She says, it occurred to me suddenly that he had given it nonetheless, that he had forgiven her, she says, to the best of his ability. And that's when, in Fiery Cross, I think, where she kind of starts to feel his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with, she, he's all through Fiery Cross, yeah. 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 She dreams about him mm. pretty heavily mm. at the beginning, and he just kind of stays with her that whole day at the gathering mm. that's so long. <laughs> that lasted forever. That lasts for so yeah. long. So also in Moby, um, so written in my own heart's blood, she, talking about Jamie and forgiveness with, with Jack Randall she says I'd never talked to Jamie about Jack Randall but I knew from the things that he few things that he told me and the disjointed things he said in the worst of his dreams that this was how he'd chosen to survive he'd forgiven Jack Randall over and over and we talked about that kind of that forgiveness is a constant sort of process but he was a stubborn man and he could do it a thousand times and still one more help me I said and felt tears trickle down my temples into my hair please help me what was she trying to forgive was that her rape what was she asking help for I don't remember because I remember when she had he rescued her one of the first things he did is we need to you know, because they were concerned that she might mm. get pregnant. Mm. And he's like, I need to, we need to have sex. Yeah, but this is in Moby. So this is this long is after, after and this is page 794, 795. So this is quite late. She's remembering her rape, though. Yeah. Because it's about the guy whose name was Mar, or whose wife was Martha. And she's asking whether or not she could forgive him. So maybe it's after she'd seen him. Yeah, that might be the one. Yeah, that was probably what it was. Because it shook her so badly. Yeah, she says, could I forgive him on the grounds that it wasn't her that he was raping, but he was sleeping with his wife, Martha, dead wife, Martha. Right. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Mm. I am waiting to see if Jenny is ultimately going to forgive Claire. Claire, when she comes back in Voyager, Jenny lets her know that she does not forget they were close 20 years later claire had left and she comes back and jenny does not forgive her yeah but by moby when jenny finally comes to north america i think it's kind of a in classic sort of jenny way she's just sort of nods her head like yeah yeah okay okay you know and like just kind of gets on with it so i don't know that she i need i need to read it again but i don't know that she outright says you're forgiven no i don't think she ever will but i do think that she just sort of resumes i don't know i life so, not in the same way i don't think i think there's still right she she begs there she begs claire to heal ian yeah and of course claire cannot couldn't yeah and I don't, I don't know that any, everything is put right between them yet. I guess that's yeah. my question. I'm waiting for the yeah. next book. Yeah, we are. Things were still kind of precarious. But she did sort of, I guess in my mind, she becomes an accomplice in some of Claire's well, shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, they have to. <laughs> and so as a result, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of just felt like, well, Jenny's like, yeah, okay, well, that was then. This is now. I'm done. But maybe not. Maybe not. I think well, that it's going to we'll come up again. again. I think so. Jenny does forgive Jamie, though, for when he loses We Ian. Yeah. That's in the Fiery Cross as well. There's yeah. lots of forgiveness, actually, in the Fiery Cross, now that I think about it. Because there's... There's lots of vengeance in... There's lots of vengeance and justice, too. Well, there's vengeance, a lot of vengeance in 
uh, Dragonfly and Amber. Every time I turn around, there's something happening with vengeance there mm-hmm. and trying to get back at somebody for something somebody did mm-hmm. wrong. But you're right. There is tons of forgiveness in mm-hmm. Fiery Cross. Mm-hmm. When she writes, Jamie, she says, In spite of this, I suppose I'm writing to forgive you. I had some purpose in taking out my pen, I know. And while forgiveness seems a doubtful enterprise to me at the present, <laughs> at the present which, I, you know, I'm going to try to use that in a sentence sometime in the next couple of days. I expect the notion will grow more comfortable with practice. In classic Jenny style. Yes. Well, forgiveness seems a doubtful enterprise to me at present. I'm going to say that next time I'm mad at Jim, my partner. Forgiveness is a doubtful, doubtful enterprise, enterprise right now. Present. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's go back to Frank for a okay. minute. Yeah. I do believe Frank does forgive Claire to the best of his ability. I do. I think he does. Yeah. I think he goes back and he researches. He finds Jamie Fraser. He finds this Brahan Seer mm. prophecy. Mm. He finds more evidence that there was this thing that happened to Roger's father, as we, we know. He also is yeah. a time traveler. And I, I just think Frank knew so much more than we think because he knows at this moment. He was in, time. in Secret Service type yeah, stuff. So that's he why was, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure he was having an affairs. I, I know you don't, but I still think he anyway. was having affairs. Yeah. And I think he was, I think he was playing, playing the game. Whether or not he wanted the divorce because of an affair or not is a question. Right. But I still think he slept with lots and lots of women. I think that... <laughs> She had reason to believe he did. I'm not a Frank hater. Let me just put it. I'm not a Frank <laughs> fan, but I'm not a Frank hater. I'm not the people who think that Frank should be strung up by his testicles somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I think that he was just a human being yeah. who was caught up in a really bizarro thing. And he was rational. And it didn't make any rational sense yeah. that his wife traveled through time. No. And, it, and he still chooses to be with this woman. And he mm. loved her, even though he's screwing everybody else. Mm. I have a soft spot in my heart for Frank yeah. because he went through a lot and he didn't ask for it. No. But I also think that he probably could have carried himself better. I was going to say, too, I was catching myself. I, I thought, well, you know, and he was always a man of his time, too. And yeah. then I'm like, Jamie was, too, and we, but Jamie didn't do some of the bullshit that Frank did you know or like that so, Google did you know, or, or that yeah, yeah, yeah you know all so, the others I don't know that a man of his time is enough of an excuse either yeah I don't yeah I don't want to let him off the hook well a man um, of his time had privilege is the yes, thing he did he had the privilege Jamie to had do, privilege too he did and he chooses not to which makes mm. him the king of men mm, his yeah. parts are wonderful <laughs> 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 With hints of cypress and, <laughs> and sage. And sage and fresh eucalyptus. His parts are lovely. <laughs> um, I'm suddenly thinking of the song of Solomon we talked about, you know. <laughs> all the parts. Twin yes. breasts like yeah, gazelles. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Legs like should rewrite Song of Solomon for Jamie. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh my god, a, a Song of Solomon for Jamie and Claire. <laughs> That's your next PhD, Jamie. Oh, my next PhD. <laughs> Fuck off. There's no way. I'm done. Yeah. But that would be a fun project. That would be a fun project. Mm. That would be a, that would sell. Mm. You could sell that, I mm. promise you. Yeah, yeah. 
That would be almost delving, (laughs) yeah, delving into fan fiction. Oh dear, (laughs) Diana would not be happy about that. Oh, there's lots of that out there. There is lots of that. So much of that. But she is not a fan of it. No, 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 no. So, who have we not talked about? Is there anything? We talked about we talked, we talked about, about Ian's and journey and Arch, yeah. I think Ian's got a lot of self forgiveness. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Oh gosh, yeah. He's crazy every story two seconds. Emily and losing his his little his baby and yeah, over and over, and you yeah. know, her never being able to get pregnant, and mm. the forgiveness that happens there, but because mm. she ends up with someone else, they they part yeah uh, and he finds Rachel mm-hmm. and they marry um, mm-hmm. but him being able to go to see her mm-hmm. and be happy for her mm-hmm. even though it's sad it's bittersweet yeah. but Claire also being able to explain to him why why she was why they weren't able to have children a child together yeah it's more of the RH negative situation wasn't it yeah like it that? is yeah. because two completely different gene pools mm-hmm. coming together and of mm. course, the ch- it, a child living in that, mm. being able to be born in that would have been extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And of course, there were children born mm-hmm. like that, and it was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And here's, so I, I'm, I'm forming a thought. I'm forming a thought. Okay. <laughs> Watch out. Watch oh, out, everybody. Here it, it goes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here's the thing. The way, the way they explain it in the native tribe, in Emily's tribe, mm-hmm. was that their spirits... Fought each other. Fought each other. Yeah. The Mohawk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That their spirits were not coming together and that his spirit could not overtake hers mm-hmm. so that she would become pregnant with a child. Mm-hmm. And that's, they looked at this in a very spiritual way that for mm-hmm. whatever reason, something beyond their control mm-hmm. in the universe mm-hmm. was doing this to them. There was an incompatibility. Yeah. Being able to put it into science and say, it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with the two of your spirits. Mm-hmm. It has to do with RH factor and your mm-hmm. blood. It, it just takes the responsibility yeah, off of you. There's you know? nothing you could have done. Because there was something that he was struggling with of kind of, I should have been a better person. There's something, there was something wrong with me. I should have loved her more. I didn't love I should her have, enough, Yeah, something. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and everybody was looking at him though. And we do this so much with God. Yeah. We put, place the blame on people. And mm-hmm. they did this with Ari Christian. Mm. with his dwarfism yeah yeah that, that there must be some sin in the family that caused that it. caused it and she's no there's not it's mm-hmm. just a genetic mutation it's mm-hmm. just the way the genes passed mm-hmm. down to him mm-hmm. and you know they wanted to know who why did god do this to mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and i i found claire's i love the science of this i mean there's certainly a lot of mystery in this that diana lets us have mm-hmm. and there are things that can't be explained like why Claire can time travel and why there's the Brahan Seer prophecy mm-hmm. and things like that. But being able to place a reason, a scientific reason on something. That at this particular moment in time is attributed to God and some kind of failing on. On, you know, a parent's parts. part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I, I find that to be one of the steps towards forgiveness mm. for him. Mm. We've made several sort of biblical references tonight, but there's a, you know, one of the gospel in the gospels where people approach Jesus about it's John some, yeah it's someone who, yeah saying whose whose sin, whose is, sin this? is this his father's his grandfather's or his yeah. own yeah or his own and Jesus is like none right right it's not it's not anybody's sin it's mm-hmm. you know and 
goes over there and heals him. Mm -hmm. And the parents come in. They have to have a conversation with Mm -hmm. the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. But it's Jesus says, no, it's not his fault. It's nobody's fault. Mm -hmm. It's this is what's going to happen. We're going to glorify God here. I'm going to mm-hmm. heal this man. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yet, there because are people... Because if it's someone's fault, then there needs to be justice. Yeah. Sorry. You were no, you're, saying, no, but, you're right. But it, no, that's it come, profound. It, that comes back to the justice thing of you have to... It's the setting things right. That if you've done something wrong, you have to pay a price. And God and exacts justice. God exacts justice by striking your child with, you know, a disease or something like that is how that people understood it at that particular time. Well, and, and, and there are places where God is said to have struck someone mm-hmm. down yeah. with a disease or with something because some of terrible, their sin. Some terrible malady because mm-hmm. they blasphemed or what mm-hmm. have you. And God strikes them dumb. God mm-hmm. strikes them dead. God strikes them Mm-hmm. Or strikes an entire group of people, mm-hmm. you know. But this is a community who's writing stories to try and and interpreting those stories in a particular way according to their worldview. Right. So whether or not it was actually God or it was actually a stroke and they attributed it to God is another thing. Is another thing. This is why we need science, guys. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I think I think we've got so much going on with. <laughs> the crap we do to each other <laughs> and dealing with vengeance and yeah. forgiveness and mercy and justice yeah. with each other that we really need to not worry about attributing mm. things like our climate change is going wrong because of mm. gay people <laughs> you know things like that oh. or you know yeah. or just you yeah. know we're we're in a terrible place because you baked a cake for a gay oh, marriage geez. i i think that there's a huge lesson here for that yeah. there, i will never forget when katrina hurricane katrina happened and there was a colbert it was like the week in god or something on daily show <laughs> which was my favorite segment when Stephen yes. colbert did <laughs> the week did in that. god yes. and so he they were talking about hurricane katrina and like of course there were pat robertson's and Westboro Baptist and all those people saying that it was because of the sin of New Orleans and all this kind of stuff sexual immorality that kind of thing but then you know Stephen Colbert like did this whole map about New Orleans and the places that got destroyed and he's like God doesn't hate the gays he hates the gay adjacent (laughs) surprisingly God hated the poor yeah Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, you know, oh God, that just, oh, that just, I hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hate it as well. And that's, Mm. that's, you know, the more we learn, this is why Mm. other reasons, science is so important for other things, like curing Parkinson's and Mm. Alzheimer's and cancer and all the other things. But it's also really vital so that we can understand why shit happens to us. Yeah. And a lot of times the shit is our own and we do the shit. Yeah. But sometimes it's just shit. Sometimes shit just happens. It does. And you Mm -hmm. can't help that there's a genetic mutation within you. And you should have the choice to be able to, to to, to manage that medically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I get really, really up on a high horse about that. (laughs) Can you tell? Yes. I get really (laughs) up on a high horse. I'm like, what? How dare you? Yeah. 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 Don't take away my science. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Next 
two episodes. We're going to do them back to back, right? The next two episodes, back to back. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We'll have a special guest with us. Her name is Amy, Dr. Amy Davis. Whoop, whoop. And she's based up in Hull in England. Uh, so we did episodes with her around Outlander as fairy tale, feminist fairy tale. Yep. And then gender and fairy rules in Outlander. So we are so excited. Amy um, has been a fan for a long time, and we kind of started having a conversation last last year yeah. um, with her about being a guest. And so, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're really very excited, excited about it. Yeah, and it's, it's a wonderful episode. We've, we've already recorded it, and we're very excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and she makes cherry bounce. <laughs> and I had some, and I'll post pictures when we release the episode. <laughs> Hail Amy. <laughs> I'm going to have to get the recipe for cherry bounce. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous. She, Diana was not kidding when she talked about it in the book. It describes it in the book, yeah. Well, if I remember, a lot of people had fun from the cherry bounce, Oh, yeah, too. they did. <laughs> yep. Talking about Jamie and his parts. Yep. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. Little so little bounce in my... my. <laughs> Stop there. Just stop. (laughs) Right. So we will see you in a couple weeks. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. That's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. If you love what we do, give us a review, especially on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, because it helps people find us. If you listen and you like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click on the support us button at our website, www.outlandersoul.com. There's lots of ways to donate and every little bit helps. Also, we love hearing your comments, questions, and ideas for the show. So we'd like for you to join in the conversation. You can reach us through our website, email, voice memos, or social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. By email, you can email us at Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com or via our website at www.outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everybody. See you again in a couple of weeks. Bye.